This episode is sponsored by Macmillan Audio. It wouldn't be summer without beach reads. If you need a recommendation for an audiobook to listen to while you relax in the sun, look no further. The Bookshop by the Bay by Pamela M. Kelly has it all. A woman starting over on Cape Cod, best friends taking over a beloved local bookstore, romance, characters that feel more like friends, and more. Another queen of the beach read and past guest of the podcast, Mary Kay Andrews, says anyone who's ever wanted to turn the page on their old life or felt the whispered promise of a new dream and a fresh start will fall in love with Pamela Kelly's charming new novel. The audiobook is even read by Audi Award finalist for Best Female Narrator Stephanie Nemeth Parker. Start listening to The Bookshop by the Bay by USA Today best-selling author Pamela M. Kelly now wherever audiobooks are sold. Hello and welcome to A Bookish Home. I'm your host, librarian and writer, Laura Zaro-Papinski, and today it's such a treat to have Susan Tan back on the podcast to discuss Ghosts, Toasts, and Other Hazards, a middle grade novel about a girl who must overcome her worries to find the truth behind her town's urban legend. In a starred review, Kirkus called the book a realistic and deeply moving portrayal of a family's journey through a challenging life transition. Susan Tan has lived many places in her life, but calls nearby Concord, Massachusetts home. She's the author of the Sillily Jenkins series, which won an Asian Pacific American Award for Literature from the American Library Association. She grew up in a mixed race family and always dreamed of being a writer. She currently lives in Somerville and teaches at the University of Massachusetts, Boston. Susan, thanks for coming back on A Bookish Home, and congratulations on your new book. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and to chat with you again. Yes. Listeners may remember getting to hear from Susan about her fantastic Scylla Lee Jenkins series, which I highly, highly recommend. And I really loved getting to dive into the newest book, um, Ghost Toasts and Other Hazards. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to get to hear more about that today. It's just a treat when you know you have like a next book by Susan to get to read. <laughs> um, oh, thank you. Yes. Well, for listeners who haven't gotten to pick this one up yet, can you tell <laughs> us more about Mo and her story? Absolutely. Yeah. So Toast, um, and and really sort of writing it centered around this character of Mo. Her full name is Monica Lin, but she does not like Monica, so she goes by Mo. Um, She is 12 years old, and she has anxiety, though she doesn't quite know how to give that a name yet. But she has a lot of worries, and she wants to work really hard to keep her family safe. And at the beginning of the story, she and her family have all moved to this new town after a traumatic family event that you find out about during the course of the story. Um, And Mo is a kind of character who sort of wants to play it safe. She doesn't want to take any risks. She's the kind of character who on the playground would be like, get off that slide, it's too high, things like that. (laughs) Um, And she comes up against a really big obstacle to keeping her family safe when she comes to believe that her yard is haunted by the ghost of an 100-year-old circus elephant, which is not safe. She's like, who knows what could happen? <laughs> um, and and delving into this mystery requires making friends and opening up and be, maybe being a tiny bit brave. Um, so at its core, it's really a story about about bravery and sort of you know, just I- acknowledging that it is o- okay to have worries and also okay to ask for help. Yes, I loved her character. And I thought it was really nice to see on the page a portrayal 
of a kid who has all those worries. Mm-hmm. I think this is a book that I probably could have used as a child. <laughs> and I think there's something even more special about her finding that braveness mm-hmm. because it's really hard one with all those worries and everything she's dealing with her life. Yeah. She's not a character who's just sort of a natural gonna go fight danger and like save people hero. Like she really has to yeah. sort of work for it, which I loved. So I was curious as, as I was reading if sort of like where that Mo character came from for yeah. you. Did you sort of have like a, inspiration around the plot first how did the book start for you right well just to say I am I'm very much with you this is a book that I wish I'd also had when I was a kid which I I suspect that that's what drives most of my books even though it's it's not on purpose you know I don't set out you know thinking let me write a book for me as a kid but you know I wrote it and thought oh yeah, that, you know, that would have been nice, nice to have. Um, so yeah, so, you know, it's funny. It's a very personal story. It's probably the most personal story I've ever written, which is really funny because it also includes like a ghost elephant. So, um, but which I, which I, I prop that is not that, that is not from my experience. Um, but, you know, so I think it was a couple of things for me. So like Mo, I, I worried a great deal as a child Um, and as an adult too. And kind of one of the most empowering things I ever did as an adult was begin to go to therapy and talk about anxiety and realize I had permission to name it. Um, And I think that for me, sort of toast came from sort of thinking about what, what it sort of felt like as a kid to have these worries and also to kind of lack a language to talk about them. Um, and it's really funny because I, I actually, the idea for this book came on a train. So I had just finished the third Scylla book and I was having, I, I just didn't know what I was going to do next. So I was having a bit of a bit of writer's block slash a bit of a panic. Um, <laughs> and I had, I had written a book, a new book, and it just felt really stilted and I didn't like it. And my editor didn't like it. So I was on this train and I just made a friend at a writer's, co- a writer's conference. We were both faculty there teaching creative writing to adults. And, you know, my new friend and I were on this train back to New York and then I was going to get her train to Boston. And I was talking to her and she's much more experienced than I am. She's written so many incredible books. And I was complaining and I was, you know, saying, what if I never write another book again? I don't know what to do. I have so many worries. And she's so lovely. But finally she said, Susan, you know, I, I am here for you. I see you, but also I have a deadline tomorrow and I really need to write. So she said, (laughs) I'm going to give you a writing assignment and it's the writing assignment I give to my students. And she said, and what what we're going to do for the next hour is you're going to do the writing assignment and I'm going to work on my revisions and then you'll report back. And I was like, I don't know if this is going to work. I'm so stuck. Um, And then she gave me the assignment. And that's where this book came from. Um, And what I think is so cool is the assignment was to find three voices and write down like a sentence for each voice, three voices that have at one time lived in your head, and then to follow that voice and give it away. And for me, doing this, you know, so I kind of thought back and was like, okay, what was a voice? What was something I thought of? What was a voice in my head in middle school, you know, in elementary school, in high school? And all of a sudden, this fear about fires 
came up that I had completely forgotten about. But I actually did write a letter to firefighters at, at the very beginning of the story. Mo talks about writing a letter to firefighters that she wants to hang on the front door so they know how many people are in the house. And that was the the line I wrote. That was a real thing I did. That's um, so interesting. Right? So so it just it it's really is very personal in, in and I think where that that initial sort of character comes from and then kind of like my friend suggested in her exercise I then gave it away into into fiction. Um though there are also very personal elements. Yeah. Yeah, and that actually was going to um, lead to another question I had, because I'm sure even though this book is middle grade, mm-hmm. that you could have been drawing on different experiences yeah. at different ages. And I wondered mm-hmm. if there is a particular age that you sort of draw on the most for your children's books. That is such a great question. Um, I, it, It's really funny because I think... So I, I absolutely do draw a lot on my memories. Um, and I do draw a lot on elementary school and middle school. You know, I I feel like those those times, especially socially, are very vivid to me. And also the the I I was a kid who um I felt very strongly about the way things should be and about right and wrong. And I remember very clearly these moments when I would feel very strongly one way, but the adult world, right, seemed to completely shut that down. And as a as a child, you feel powerless in so many ways, right? You know, and if a teacher says, no, we're doing this, and it feel, you know, it, it feels like they have been unjust, right? Or an adult around you, you feel like they have just sort of exerted power in a way that is arbitrary or not fair, right? I... I feel like those are moments and kind of confrontations I think about a lot, you know, and about how, how does that feel? And also how, how through stories, can we model ways for young people to act and do and feel that they have power and agency. Um, so I think about that a lot, but oh, that said, it, you, what you ask is such a good question because so much of what I write is actually drawn from my adult life. Um, or sort of college life. Um, so for example, just to give an example, in the first Scylla book, there's a fight between Scylla and her best friend. And it actually um, draws from a fight I had with a, my best friend in my 20s. And oh, funny. Right? And, and I think, I, to me, I actually, I love that because to me it shows that, you know, all, all problems, right, no matter the age we feel them at, are, are real problems. And the ways that we learn to deal with a problem, to, you know, to have a hard conversation with someone we love, to apologize, right? They, in essence, they remain the same throughout our lives. And I really enjoy getting to sort of take those situations and and think about them for young people. You know, and I guess one thing I say to young readers, too, is that the things you go through now, like the things you go through that you worry about, that you love, that you enjoy, like all those things are really important. You know, and I, I feel like sometimes I, I'll meet young readers who kind of already, you know, will start by saying, well, I like this, but I know I'm, you know, I know no one else would be interested in that. Or I'm worried about this, but I know that's not a real problem. 
And it's really important to me to say, no, of course it is. Like if, if you're worried about it, it's, it's a real problem. Let's, you know, your feelings are worth pursuing and naming. So, so yeah, so I, I just, it gives me pleasure, I think, to, to take those sort of situations from other times in life and kind of think about how a young person, right, can, can deal with those things and how also I think at, the, at, at its core, like how they have the power to deal with those things. That's such a great way of looking at it. And I think that really comes through in your books, that whole idea of really treating any problem or issue a child is going through with with that same weight that you would tend to give to an adult, because it's so Mm -hmm. true. We're so quick sometimes as adults to diminish what to a child is, you know, a really big deal or yeah. something really hard, even though, or, or so quick to even sometimes just kind of romanticize childhood in general that, yeah. you know, it's just this perfect, lovely time and kids go through really hard stuff. And I think we sometimes forget how big um, those problems can be. And, yeah. um, and I mean, in this case for Mo, in addition to sort of her worries and just sort of childhood things, she's going through pretty traumatic events in her family as well, which I also think is so important to portray. And I wondered, um, I know we're talking before the book has officially Mm -hmm. released, but I would imagine you get feedback from kids just about how sort of seeing some of their problems reflected in Mm -hmm. the story or even um, just like seeing diverse characters in your stories um, would mean a lot to them. Do you get that kind of feedback from readers? I do. I feel so lucky. You know, I, um, you know, just to say what you were saying about toast, I I know it's not out yet, but that is absolutely my hope with it, you know, and just to say too the, the situation that Mo is going through this kind of the loss of a step parent, which feels very complicated because this person was not in her, is not technically her parent, but in fact is in many ways her parent. Right. And, um, And a lot of people around her sort of say, oh, well, he was only, you know, he wasn't your real dad, so you shouldn't be upset. Um, That's also very personal and something I think about a lot. So a similar kind of loss happened to me. And again, actually, when I was more an adult, I was in college, but my sisters were quite young. Um, And I, and it was very painful for us all. And I, you know, going back to what you said about the books we wish we had had, like, I think that's something that really stayed with me. You know, this idea of, I felt like I didn't have any examples for how to talk about complicated losses, you know, or how to, yeah. And how to, how to sort of articulate right against, or or how to sort of talk about loss or feelings, maybe outside like a a traditional quote unquote, traditional nuclear family structure. Right. And um, so that was, that was really important to me. Um, and so that's like, that's one of my hopes for the books, you know, that, that at least uh, that maybe there are a few kids out there who could use a story like that. Just like I could have really used one. Um, yeah. And that line really stuck out to me. I forget the number of years, but mm-hmm. she says something yeah. like grownups do this faulty math where, she, you know, the stepfather was her parent for, I think it was like seven years or something. Yeah. And that somehow that doesn't mean anything, but yeah. her younger sister, who's only five, is allowed to grieve that loss more because she's his biological daughter. I just thought that was so yeah. 
um, moving and like spot on of adults mm-hmm. just like downplaying um, her emotions and, and kind of these complicated feelings. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm very proud of that line. Um, yeah, yeah, I really appreciate it. That was definitely a very personal one. Yeah. Um, and, and just to say too, what, what you were saying about sort of readers and getting feedback, I, I am so lucky, you know, I do. And, um, you made me think of one letter I got actually just a few weeks ago and it, it makes me a little emotional because, you know, it was from this girl who, um, she wrote about the book, and she said, you know, I am adopted. I am Chinese. I am the only Chinese person at my school. I really enjoyed your book. And can you please tell me, do you eat seaweed? Because kids at my school say it's gross, but I really like oh. it. And oh. oh, yeah. And I just, oh, it made me, you know, and, and I, it just really reminded me of the importance of, of telling the stories that are personal to us and providing mirrors for children, you know? And I, of course I, I wrote back and was like, yes, you know, seaweed is the best. And also anything you like is okay. And also, you know, I, yeah, it, it was just, it was very, very moving. And I, and I felt really honored that she, you know, that, that, that Scylla kind of provided a space where she felt comfortable clearly saying this to me, you know, and sharing this really, this, these feelings of yeah, again, these, these tough feelings with me. Um, so yeah, I feel very honored when that happens. Yeah. That just makes me think of, I feel like that's somebody who's going to get asked, you know, in 20 years, what's a book that really had a big impact on you or like, um, changed your life in some way. And like, I feel like so many kids are going to say your books, which I just think is so special. (laughs) Well, and I did want to ask because, you know, I'm always interested in how authors sort of juggle very different projects. And Mm. so I do want to hear you have a, it's an early chapter book series, Pets Rules. You've done a picture book. You have your middle grade series, the Lily Jenkins, now another middle grade book. Mm -hmm. Do you work on these different projects at the same time, kind of going back and forth? Are you drawn to like one age group more than the other? I just kind of love to hear about sort of that creative balance, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, it's, you know, it's so funny because, so when I wrote the Scylla series, that was the only book series I was working on. Um, And I think that that made a lot of sense at the time because, you know, it was my first book series. So with each book, like I, I feel so proud of those books because I, I look at each one and I feel like I can really see these huge lessons I learned in each one about just writing um, and stories. Um, And, but that said, I also, I feel lucky because sort of, as I began to work on new things, I did begin to get sort of these, these multiple projects. Um, and I'll say, I love balancing projects. I, I especially love, so my, my middle grade series, Pets Rule, is a really funny short series. So it's, um, there are six books in the series total. Um, 
three are out. The third one actually came out today, which is very exciting. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. It's called Kittens Are Monsters. Um, (laughs) And the books are about Ember, who is a rescue chihuahua who believes he is destined to rule the world as its evil, dark overlord. Um, (laughs) And and in every book, there is some kind of obstacle to his ruling the world. So in the first book, it's mean squirrels. In the second, it's the poodle of doom. In the third, it's kittens and the fourth it's goldfish you know so so all this to say that these books are they're really fun like when I sit down to write them I have just an amazing time you know and I'm always thinking about how can I get readers engaged and how can I end every chapter on a cliffhanger and you know what what's something that a pet would do that would be really normal for them but really funny for people (laughs) Um, and so what I find is that it's a great kind of let's say I'm working on two projects. So like, let's say I was, I would be working on toast, which can be a more serious book though. I I find that I found that very joyful to write too, but you know, let's say that I was working on toast and maybe would get a little tired, right? Feel that I just kind of run out of energy and needed a break. I could turn to Ember because it was so different and still have energy for Ember and kind of getting excited about Ember again would make me excited for toast again. So I would go, yeah. So they, I think of them almost as like, they energize each other. And of course you also have to take breaks too. Um, Very important. Um, Because I I also have a job. I have a, I teach, um, I'm an assistant professor at UMass Boston. So I teach adult students full-time talking about literature and writing. And so I kind of, I have to be careful about dividing everything up. So I don't get too burnt out, but also I'm really lucky because all my jobs kind of provide me with that kind of excitement and energy, you know, yeah. so, and make, yeah, make me excited to write. That's great. And I'll, I'll definitely have to check out, I'm very in the world of the early chapter books right now. Oh, I'll have to check out awesome. Pets Rule. My, <laughs> um, my daughter's very big into reading those, having me read them to her Amazing. at night right now. We're like in that phase. So oh, it's that's so wonderful. fun when you discover- yeah, it's so fun when you discover a good one that they really get yeah. and they get so excited that they're like have a chapter book to read. Right. So, oh, oh, I hope she likes time. them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'll definitely yeah. check them out. Well, one of the things I wanted to mention too, and you bring up so your work at UMass Boston, and I'm curious mm-hmm. if there are things that teaching adults about creative writing maybe influences about your own work or maybe mm-hmm. like lessons you've taken from that. Yes. Ooh, yeah. So I have, you know, it's so funny. I was thinking about this yesterday. I, I feel so lucky that talking about writing is, is part of my life. You know, I talk about it in my classes um, and at book talks, things like that. Um, Because I, I think that maybe the biggest lesson I take, I, I feel like every time I talk about writing, I am reminded that writing is this almost kind of lifelong process. And I, I've really been struck by this with some of my students because we'll, we'll talk about what works for each of us. And what I love is kind of the realization that there's no one right way, there's no one right formula, and you need to, you know, part of writing is in some level getting to know yourself better and knowing what works for you and what doesn't and what what about writing makes you feel good and feel energized and and what doesn't 
Um, so, I, and I feel like, I, I don't know, I just feel like it really grounds me. And, you know, and sometimes with work, I will have periods where I'm not writing as much as I should. And I feel like when I talk about writing, it kind of immediately brings me back and reminds me, oh, right, like I, I both love writing and kind of need writing. I wouldn't do this if I didn't need to write. And also I can be playful. You know, I don't, there are no rules. Like this might sound kind of silly, but when I get book ideas, I know I'm ready to write a book when I know the character, the premise and the last scene. Like that's oh interesting yeah yeah and for whatever reason with every single book I've written that's what I have in my brain and it only took me it took me I mean my first book came out in 2017 I started writing it in 2012 and it was literally two days ago that I was like you know what if I outlined backwards since I know the last scene because middles are usually really hard for me and I Mm -hmm. did and it was amazing and I was like (laughs) oh my gosh this would have been useful (laughs) you know it it was so funny to me that like I I like made this huge discovery and I was in a cafe and I wanted to be like everybody I must announce (laughs) you know this I've solved it I've solved it exactly and um, but I I just it gave me such joy you know this idea of of, you know remembering that oh right like writing is a practice that will will change and the process will change and I'll learn new things and things will stop working for me and other things will start working for me and like you need to be playful with it and try so and I feel like that came directly out of a conversation I had in classes where I was trying to help students kind of loosen up around writing you know saying like yeah. don't feel pressure to write perfectly just just write and and that directly led to my revelation in the cafe that's so great so, what a yeah. what a nice sort of uh interesting writing I don't know all these different ways that they sort of complement each other these different jobs and roles that you have yeah. different types of books and then the writing teaching and that's great yeah um well lastly I just always love to hear what authors are enjoying themselves in terms of mm. books is there anything you've read lately you'd want to recommend to listeners absolutely Okay, so one book I've loved recently is Sweet and Sour by Debbie Michiko Florence. I love Debbie Michiko Florence's books, and she has sweet She's and sour. awesome. Isn't she awesome? <laughs> yes. Um, and so Sweet and Sour is sort of a summer story set in Mystic, Connecticut, um, and it features a, a, a sort of crush and some misunderstandings. Um, there is also, and it's beautiful. Um, I also love Keep It Together, Keiko Carter by Debbie Michiko Florence. It's been another one of my absolute favorites. Um, She's wonderful. I had her on for Just Be Cool, Jenna Sakai. But oh, I amazing. Sweet and Sour. I remember her talking about that. Yeah. Um, so I'll have to add that to the list. Her, it yeah, is her books great. are just awesome. Yeah, her books are amazing. Sweet and Sour will make you want a lot of snacks. Like, it was oh, so... Yes reading it I was just like oh my gosh all I want to do is like eat ice cream oh <laughs> and that's I, so fun uh, I remember with the Jenna Sakai book a lot of it was in a diner and I was like oh my gosh I yes. need this I need that that's yes amazing. oh my gosh exactly <laughs> exactly oh, um, perfect 
And another book I've been, I just read, I actually read it and talked about it in my classes was The Parker Inheritance by Varian Johnson, which I adore. I love that book as I well. I love that book. That, I just think that book is so incredible. It's it's one of those books that I feel like every time I read it, I, I learn from it. Like I would someday, I I wish I was skill, as skilled enough to write a story like that, that has just so many amazing mysteries and connections to the past and just beautiful voices. Oh, I just yeah. love it. Oh, there's just so many good books. I, yeah. I feel like you, there's just, I feel like they're going to go back and say however many years from now that this was just a real like golden age of mm-hmm. children's books and middle grade and young adult, just um, so many wonderful books coming out yeah. and just a great, great crop of authors. Um <laughs> Well, uh, Susan, thank you again for coming on. I hope that listeners go pick up Ghost Toast and Other Hazards from their local bookstore, get their library holds in, and I'll have to do a shout out. You always have great librarian characters. This (laughs) book is no exception. I was like full of joy seeing the librarian in this book as well. So librarians are going to really get a kick out of that too. (laughs) Thank you so much. I As you can tell from my books, I love librarians. Each of these librarian (laughs) characters, like every single one is based on a real amazing librarian who I had in my life, who brought me to where I am. So thank you. It's a total joy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks, Susan. And congrats also on on the new Pets Rule book. And um, best of luck with all your um, current writing projects that I'm sure you're juggling. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's always such a treat to chat with you. For links to all of the books mentioned on this week's episode, you can visit abookishhome.com. If you are enjoying the show, I hope you take a minute to subscribe and also rate and review wherever you get your podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would encourage you to share it on social media to help other people find the show and this episode. Thanks for listening, everyone, and happy reading.